This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. Hello, welcome back to the I'd Rather Be Right podcast with Luke and Nate. It's currently Thursday, January 6th here in beautiful, sunny, 50 degree weather, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think Nate, unfortunately, his trip to uh, his favorite holiday, uh, the anniversary of the insurrection got canceled because it's snowing up there. So he's stuck inside. Nate, happy insurrection day. How's it going? Happy insurrection day. Yeah, this time last year, it's going good. This time last year, I was getting drunk on a couch watching watching Red Mex destroy our capital. So. Yeah, I remember like, I went to the bank. I was at the bank, and I was listening to this guy on YouTube. His name's like Meet Kevin or something. I don't remember why I was listening to him. I don't know. He would do these like really long live streams, and I just throw them on. I just throw a bunch of live streams on when I drive around sometimes. And I was at the bank trying to deposit money, and he was like, Wait, people are trying to break into the Capitol. I was like, wait, what? And I had to like pull it up on my phone. I'm like watching YouTube while I'm trying to drive. I'm like, what is happening? It's crazy. I had to rush home and like put it on the TV. I was like, this is crazy, dude. Yeah, it started like middle of the workday too, right? So I just yeah. shut down my computer and was like, I can't work right now. Just was watching on I have a big projector for my TV and I was just watching watching it live there and it was crazy. I was just like Yeah. Yeah, it was like the two or three o'clock or something. It was like the middle of the day. It was wild. <laughs> but, you know, wanted to commemorate the anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's well, you know, it, it's pretty crazy, especially. Did you? So I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see on clip online where Nancy Pelosi had this cast of Hamilton sing during the January 6th, like, so, like, like thing. I'm like, what is this? Like, this is not. You don't need a musical guest, a Broadway musical guest star, to celebrate January six. Like it's, it's very Today weird. She did that. Yes, it was oh. like the most. It's it's no wonder these guys lose. It's no wonder Democrats lose all the time. Oh, it's like dude. politically the most insane choice. They're the like, worst. Like they're serious. Like I mean, like, but here's like my time to hobnob with Lin Manuel Miranda. I'll call right. him up and ask him to like honor us. With his voice on January sixth or whatever, like, it's just so freaking weird. That's super weird. <laughs> so weird, dude. I'm, oh I'm like God. it's supposed to be a solemn occasion where we and it needs to be branded into our memory of what happened. Not yeah. having not having Lim Manuel Miranda do a cameo and sing it's, sing a song yeah. from his from Hamilton as if it matters. Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> What the fuck are we doing? Why do what? Yeah, no, it should. Yeah, that's that. I did not know that she did that. That's uh, I don't like her very much, especially lately with all the insider trading stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, and that just makes me like her even less. Yeah, it's just, like no. it's just surprising to me how these people don't understand they're never going to win when they keep acting like clowns. Like Democrats are so out of touch. I yeah, I don't think they care to win. Like, I was watching this video today. And she's not the only one. There's like, there's a lot of politicians that once they get into office, their net worth goes up by hundreds of percentage points. Like, 
And I'm just like, she oh, man, maybe they don't actually care. Because she marry her way she, into the money, right? Maybe, so, yeah. She's been a pretty, she's been politician for her whole life, though. So it's yeah, like, but her husband you know, is how, the one makes all, all yeah. the money. That's all the trading, technically. She's the one who gets the information, yeah. and he's right, the one who makes yeah. the buys. <laughs> yeah. It's so absurd. Oh, it drives me crazy. I don't know. Politics. Way worse. But the, even worse is, like, the problem is they can't see what the heck's going on. Like, yeah. clearly the way they're acting means they don't actually think the democracy is at stake. Right. Or if it is, they don't care either. Like, yeah, they don't there's, care. Only two, there's only two options, right? Because this is not how you would act if you thought democracy right. was at stake and you cared about it. So one of those two right. things is either they don't get it, they don't get it, and they're like, no, we'll just try to win some policy arguments here. Okay, right. so you don't think like, democracy I... is at stake, or are you, or you, do you know it and just don't care either? Like, I don't know yeah. which one it is, but it's one of the two. That's largely I, the Democratic Party, in my opinion. I, I, I hate doing this, but I almost think like Trump actually was really good at that. No, I don't think he actually cared, but he was really good at like playing to that actual fear yeah. of like things are broken. Got like I got we got to do something. About, like he would actually like talk no, the, about things that people well, point, wanted him to talk about. And the funny thing is, he would talk about it, but he absolutely wanted it broken and wanted to break it further for his own benefit. Oh, of course. So, so he's like the, all, the biggest hypocrite ever. But um, oh, of course. But. Like I don't know if they just but don't see marketer. the problem. I do wonder <laughs> if they don't see the problem. I think some of them just don't see the problem, uh, and yeah. then other ones like don't really see how. But to be fair, most people on the right also don't see it. Like, like I was reading Tucker Max, and like he had a little bit about on his blog about this uh, how January sixth made him realize the world was going to hell in a handbasket. And part of it was he didn't say he he said it wasn't an insurrection. I'm like it wasn't an insurrection. He's like people were walking inside the you know, in the, in the right. side doors. And I'm like, yeah, parts of it, but there are other parts where they were beating cops and, and tasering them yeah. and running around with zip ties where they planned if they had gotten a hold of people, they yeah. absolutely would have like kidnapped them or killed them. So yeah, just because, 100%. just because a certain amount of them were relatively benign doesn't mean yeah. that the other, there weren't malignant ones there who were taking advantage of the fact that there were so many people there that were willing to run into the Capitol. So it, it, it's like, I get people don't want to call it an insurrection, but it was. And it was. I get that not everyone there was actually engaging in what I would call an insurrection so much as like trying to run into a building. But there yeah. are plenty of people that were <laughs> like they were really mm-hmm. w- willing to to beat a cop yeah. or to, you know, con- unconscious. Or there were people with, in camo, which is dumb, you're in an urban environment, but they're in camo. They had yeah. zip ties like they were like moving in formation. There's video yeah. footage of all this stuff. Like, there yeah, there's there's one great uh, thing about how they use cell phone footage to find out the ones who were like in concert with each other, and uh, yeah. like they they had bought burner phones or were talking to each other in the crowd, mm-hmm. and they were using basically the crowd as cover, right? Um, and again, I think we talked about this before at a different time. Those ten to twenty percent, whatever amount it was, wouldn't have even had a chance if it weren't for the other mm-hmm. eighty or ninety percent who were right. not going to do that much, but. It's because they gave him cover. And so, yeah, and for the record, it's quite clear that uh, the government is realizing that none of them were going to violently attack people because they're only giving them like a month in prison. Like, so right. Right. Uh, it's not like these guys are getting, are the ones well, that are getting the real, the ones that are getting really is... sentenced really heavily are the ones that were the 10 or 20% that absolutely right. were engaged in insurrection. Like, and that's right. why when people say, oh, it didn't happen, there definitely wasn't an insurrection. I'm like, what video are you looking at? I get, I get, are you just looking at selective right. video that Fox shows where they just peacefully walking around? 
because you're right. are you ignoring the rest of the ones. Like, there's a whole lot of other right. videos that suggest there's a lot are. more going on. Cognitive dissonance, but that's literally how. I mean, that's what I think Green Berets actually. That's their specialty, but that's how political change happens: is you rile up the people, and then you have a few bad actors who are able to channel and direct the the ire of the of the populace to do something and then they slip in and make the change or whatever they seize power when they have this giant crowd outside yeah. like they, that's like literally how this happens and so people say eh, it's, it's just a couple like no that's literally how you overthrow a government this is almost textbook i don't I'm not saying like the green braids did this or i think this was like well a lot of military people are you know right wing so you know there, there's some people who probably knew what they were doing or at least taking advantage of it, but that's how you get political change. Get a bunch of people outside the look, go look at all of them in the past couple of years. You get a bunch of people outside the palace, and then some military leader he lets them in, and then he walks in and marches the guy and says, I'm taking charge now. Like, good job, everybody. Yeah. It's like you let him in. <laughs> yep. And then and then he removes them and then he's in power. It's 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 how it works. So to not call it insurrection is crazy. Um this is actually a relatively decent segue into our current topic today because oddly enough we're going to talk about how crowds get galvanized and then uh and do something bad and how how in your case like if you say the military guy comes in and grabs the guy who's quote-unquote responsible right uh right. scapegoat right and we're going to talk about the scapegoat yeah. as well as how the how this works so uh today's topic it's called it's on mimetic theory and mimetic desire uh, the really good book on it is called Wanting by Luke Burgess for, re for reference. Um, it's just another framework for thinking about how the way the world works, I think. And I read the book. I think it's fantastic. And I think you guys should all read it too. Some of this will not surprise you, Luke. Um, social proof, which is a pickup theory. It's basically just using mimetic desire. That's what it's doing. It's mm -hmm. um, um, So we'll get into how all this all relates. So you won't be shocked by too much of it, I don't think. But it's probably a sturdier framework because it's more holistic. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, uh, but all a lot of things you already know fit within it, and you probably just didn't. Necessarily it's, I don't. Know. I mean, I haven't heard of mimetic desire, but the way I market one of the reasons I love marketing so much, which has a lot to do with mimetic desire, is like because I felt like it's the it's actually how things work. People want logic and efficiency and you know the right answer to be how the world works but that's not at all how the world works because the world is ran by people so you need to understand people and a good way to understand people's desires is mimetic theory probably yeah yes i haven't read so, the book but so let, let's find out if you start to if, how much you agree with and how much you think it goes but basically mimetic desire first of all was uh came up with but uh, renee gerard came up with the theory of mimetic theory and mimetic desire um uh, he's a professor. He was a, I think he passed away. So he was a professor of literature and history. He started uh, at Stanford eventually, but he started in history before he went to literature. So that's that's going to be important in a second. But let's first explain what magnetic desire is. It's basically a, a theory of how people come to desire things. And the argument is that you do not, humans do not desire things spontaneously or organically. They, they use imitation to figure out what to desire. So everything you've ever desired, someone was a model for it, uh, whether that be a family member, a friend, 
someone you know on tv uh doesn't really matter celebrity uh or even someone from history right so someone's or a desire, fictional uh, story fictional story yes 100 percent uh, all of it um so basically the idea is it's not organic it comes and that's mimetic means basically is, is imitation, right? So the idea is, is coming through imitation and that we don't understand that. We like to believe that, it, you know, our desires come strictly through biology or reason when in fact the vast majority of them come through imitation, if not all of them. Because one of the things is uh, it, it addresses Maslow's hierarchy of needs and pretty much argues that the foundation two points, uh, the two bottom ones are physical uh, needs and safety and pretty much argues that vast majority of those are needs, but everything above it, the vast majority of it is desire. But even within physical safety and um, uh, sorry, physical needs uh, and safety, you can have uh, desires. For instance, uh, right. you know, eating what is, is a need, but eating at a, at a, uh, uh, a Michelin star restaurant. restaurant is not, is not a need. It's just a desire. Right. So, right. Pretty much, it's arguing that this is entirely wrong. Most of those aren't needs. A lot of them are desires, and he wanted to know why they people desired them. And he figured this out when he was started teaching literature, because uh, he came from history, and so he started teaching all these classical books that he had never read. So he's reading them right before class uh, and getting <laughs> it's my ahead of them. Way to teach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he had not, and, and so he was looking for similarities and patterns, and he picked up on a pattern in all classic literature that seemed to exist. Everything they ever desired came through some other character in the book. The character never spontaneously desired something. They met someone or heard of someone, and they decided to model their life and desires after that. And not just like their not just their actions and stuff, but even what they want out of life. So that's how he came up with it. And so we'll walk you through some of this stuff here. But there are two kinds of models in this theory. Uh, one is a call uh, they call it celebrate stand. So uh, think celebrities here. And the other one is freshman and stand. Think freshman in high school. So that's kind of the idea. And what's the difference? So celebrate stand, first of all, it's models that are not in your time, your space, your social status. Basically, you're never going to come into conflict because you're never actually going to meet for whatever reason um, or interact, right? And then freshman and stand is like school in the sense that these models are living within your world uh, and your time, your space, and your social status. So you could very likely... Models? Models are made by people, like people, uh, people who are so everyone's a both a model and a receiver in this. Like they receive desires, but they're also modeling desires at exactly mm -hmm. the same time. So just other people, right? It's just other people who you might decide to model their, your desires after. So these people, so in it's celebrate stand again. The people are just people you're never going to interact with for some reason, for whatever reason. They could be dead already, for instance. They could live in the other part of the world. They could be in a different social status. Um, I'm going to use Pete Davidson a lot as an example because I think he actually explains a lot of this, but this is a good example. Pete Davidson, for me, would be a <laughs> celebrant fan. I am literally never going to meet him. And if I ever did, uh, and we were, if we were into the same girl, let's put it this way, I don't think he'd think I was a threat. <laughs> okay. Um, Freshmanistan, however, could be for you are in Freshmanistan. I, I'm in, I have a relationship with you. We, we, we associate. We're relatively same social status. So theoretically, we could come to desire the same things. And so, um, and then let's see other parts of Celebristan. It, it models something different. And Freshmanistan often models the sameness because it's like, uh, and, that, and that's the idea that uh, Celebristan is like these things are. That, that are harder for you to get maybe Whereas, aspirational aspirationally yeah 
Celebristan, uh, they also said the people here are easy to identify. Freshmanistan, it's even it's harder to identify. So the reason is we don't like to admit that we desire something our friend wants. Uh, right. You know, we like, oh, I want that same boat that you have, right? That's hard to identify. But if you said I wanted, if I if I wanted some famous celebrity's boat, if I wanted George Clooney's yacht or Jeff Bezos' yacht, no one's actually going to get like, you know, that's pretty easy to accept. No one's going to get upset. So it's easier. Right. It's easier for you to know that that's why you want it. And it's easier. Sure. Because everyone might want Jeff Bezos' boat because of course you do. Yeah. Because it's, and that goes to the other one. It's open invitation for secret invitation. Celebration. You can be pretty open about it. No one's going to get offended if you say you, you really love to own Jeff Bezos' boat. But if you're on your friend's boat and you go, I really want this boat. Yeah. that could get a little weird uh <laughs> right yeah. so i want this so boat. You, it's only both of us out here alone it's only, yeah, yeah, yeah. i really want your boat man what do i do to get it what um, do i do to get it <laughs> so i've got one idea and it, it ends with you in the river <laughs> <laughs> that's actually kind of the point and then we'll get to there so it's that, that's actually the point so there's basically in the celebration there's no possibility of conflict between the models and the imitators and the models and imitators are both people you know so one person's imitating one person's modeling their desire uh whereas freshmanistan the conflict between models and imitators is normal right so because you're constantly you could quite literally want the same things um it's celebration positive mimesis is possible basically meaning a positive cycle type of uh, cycle where your desires are wanting something more. So uh, a good example of Celebristan, uh, who would has a positive model a lot of times, Elon Musk, he wants to go to Mars. That has motivated a lot of people to join him at Tesla or SpaceX to try to get to Mars, right? So because it's kind of funding it and SpaceX because you're actually building the rockets to go there. So they've all got the same desire and it's sort of a positive one. Uh, also, because it's outside of you, you're never really going to be in conflict with Elon Musk, unless you call right. him, a, unless you call him, unless you call him unless a you or Twitter. something. Yeah. <laughs> and tweet at him. Maybe you will. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, so, so freshman stand, it's like, uh, you know, that means we're, we're often going to be in a cycle of conflict. Um, that's going to lead to conflict and issues. Uh, we sort of both want the same thing, usually exactly the same thing. So freshman stand has a couple of distortion effects. One is secret wonder. And that basically means, uh, think of it as, uh, it's that it's that fact that we can't really talk about it, right? Um, if I'm in, if I'm fascinated by someone who I know personally, probably not something I could admit. <laughs> um, and if I do admit, it could cause could cause issues. So we kind of just keep Super it quiet. Awkward. Awkward. Yeah. So we just keep it quiet. Uh, so that's one issue. Um, another one is the cult of the experts. Uh, that's basically the idea that you know a lot of people are acting like experts that are not necessarily experts. We know this. We've <laughs> talked about it. We've talked about how to hack it before. Uh, so, and, and we think, oh, that's something I could actually become, right? It's something you actually could, and you can probably hack your way into it. So, um, so that at least is some other, and then, interestingly, another freshman stand distortion is reflexivity, which we've talked about again, when we talked about George Soros. Uh, and that, that's basically the idea that the very act. So it's a game theory issue, right? It's the fact that, you want this thing. I want this thing. I know that you want it and you know that I want it. So that impacts our decisions. Um, so right. there's right. There's nothing is made in a vacuum. No decisions are making uh, are made in a vacuum. So it's really a game theory issue here. Um, but as I said, there's two mimetic cycles. One is negative. One is positive. We'll call the negative one cycle one. Um, and this leads to ri rivalry and conflict. It's based out of, you know, again, we talk about these things in pickup uh, scarcity, fear and anger, right? 
So to believe that there's only so many people, uh, you know, it's only so many things we can get. So we have to fight each other for them. And then the positive cycle, uh, cycle two, is sort of a sh shared desire for some common good. We talked about the Mars, going to Mars. And that's a belief, you know, it's fundamentally believed in a, a theory of abundance and mutual giving. Uh, there's plenty enough, everything out there for us. We or And we can make more as we need it, right? So there's fundamentally two different things. And it sort of depends on which one we're doing it. So let's let's assume we get into negative one cycle uh, and it gets bad enough. Uh, and let's assume we have lots of memetic crisis where basically everyone's interacting. Everyone's on the same thing. We're all ginned up together. And just like we saw on January 6th, like that's basically what happened, right? People, um, and it has to come out some way and has to resolve herself. And one thing Rene Girard notices we all, Basically, every society had a scapegoat, and and part of that's Epstein is gone. Um, but other times, we know scapegoating is the uh, scapegoat is entirely innocent, right? Uh, did nothing wrong, and and Gerard's point about the gospel was this is the first time in history we had a story that was told from the victim's point of view, and we knew the victim was innocent. Before then, pretty much all the scapegoats. We're not seen as scapegoats. We're not seen as innocents. Uh, they're not told from their perspective. They're told from the perspective of the mob. So the mob assumed they're wrong, right? Assumed they deserve everything that's coming to them. But finally, we had the gospel come out. And for once, we've got a story from the victim's point of view. And he thinks as that happened and that sort of got around, we have now have more respect, more understanding of scapegoating and more understanding of its negative consequences. And the fact that it's usually innocent people that get wrapped up in it. Um, as a result, I think this is why we're seeing victim mentality. That's pretty much his argument. There's a victim mentality. Victims are now, for once, powerful. So before, you know, several hundred years ago, um, and certainly before the gospel was ever written, a victim was seen as wholly deserving of what they got. <laughs> so you wouldn't be acting a victim precisely because you wouldn't want to be caught, called out that way. So, uh, but now victims have power. So you might fake a victim. Uh, and that's, that's uh, and we're seeing that. We're also seeing this in cancel culture, right? Um, cancel culture would be another form of scapegoating uh, in a lot of contexts. The people are being held to account for things maybe more than they did, uh, significantly more than they did. I think of that woman who made that, pretty bad joke on Africans on a plane and then was fired by the time she got off the plane. Right. And, and it's almost like a whole mob went after her because if I can't do anything about racism, I can do something about this, uh, this joke that, I mean, admittedly bad joke. Um, and therefore I did something against racism. Right. And we all feel just about keeping it, but without really admit, admitting that it was intended as a joke, everyone knew it was intended as a joke. Uh, and that, that that consequence may not have been wholly justified for that for that crime, as it were. If that makes any sense. Right. Uh, and so, so I think we're seeing this play out, uh, and we're seeing it in different ways. Uh, but the other things, we're not even getting the full benefits of scapegoating. So back when scapegoating was happening and more commonplace, it really did calm down people for a long time. It was seen as a way of you know reducing these tensions for a long period of time. Now. We cancel someone and we're right at it again next week, canceling someone else. So we're not even getting that full release. We're destroying people's, uh, in a lot of ways, we're destroying people's lives and not actually getting the benefit.
which is a calmer, calmer culture, you know? Uh, so mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch right now. And I think part of this is because, and there's that tension effect that I don't think it works as well. And partly because we know, um, we know a lot more, I think. And we we're also too, are a lot more aware of, and we have, yeah. our society is too big, probably like back yeah. then it was smaller societies, right? You yeah. And I think, I think we're just also, society. I think You're the internet just, internet is obviously a real problem for, he, he points out it's a real problem for mimetic conflict uh, just because we're constantly oh, yeah. on it, constantly interacting. And there's the other thing is conflict on there. And there's another issue. As you said, we talked about if we tweet at Elon Musk, that might be a way to piss him off, right? Um, mm-hmm. So suddenly, freshman, there's a lot more celebrist, there's a lot less celebristan, a lot more freshmanistan. So suddenly, right. and even celebrities are in our world to some degree on social media. So right. it's like there's just almost no separation anymore. So we have a lot more mimetic conflict in part because we're all mixing in a way that we before we wouldn't. Before we, I might order. I would have read about Elon in, in books or magazines or newspapers, but I certainly was never going to be able to have any ability to interact with them at all. Right? And, right. and now with Twitter, I can tweet at him and I might just get myself into his world a little bit. So even it, for a brief it, second, yeah. even for a brief second. And it also means in a lot of ways, the internet, we are now with the global village, right? So I, I could pretty much guarantee I wasn't talking to people in Asia before but or russia mm-hmm. but now i can talk to them consistently in fact we now know russia's in our you know in, tw- in on twitter interacting with us uh mm-hmm. intentionally to drive these conflicts right so they're yeah. they're weaponizing this stuff as well um in a way that we wouldn't didn't have to worry about before the internet uh, and they can do it as if there's someone who i might be in my world anyway so then there's some some of those questions for for medic desires that are something like anti-mimetic and yeah there is but fundamentally we have to understand it's still a model like so the idea is you may be model you're modeling the anti thing right so you're saying uh you know i think we see this a lot with people and their parents um your parents didn't raise you particularly well so you decide you're gonna be a really good parent and do the opposite of what they're doing right your parents were the models they modeled you what not to do <laughs> right? right uh and it, was so it because, creates a reflexive it's a reflective type of modeling, right? But a lot of the anti-mimetic stuff when we're referring to are really what he calls the difference between thick and thin desires. So thick desire would be like raising a good family, as we mentioned, like that could be a very thick desire, um, uh, you know, being more spiritual, that kind of thing. These things that are deep, uh, we tend to find deeply fulfilling and aren't really thin. Thin desire would be obviously having lots of sex with random strangers <laughs> like that's a very thin desire probably uh, a lot of drug use can be very thin i think uh though some of it probably could be thick if you used it properly right uh, a lot of the lsds and stuff i think have some ability to do that when a bunch done of steroids on... yeah become a world champion become a real <laughs> champion um but i think we kind of know what they are um, you know, thick versus thin, but Maybe I think fleeing should... versus fulfilling something. Yeah. Like fleeing that. versus fulfilling. So I, uh, let's, let's go like this. They got a little matrix inside the book of different people <laughs> that are, uh, a chart is charted in between celebristan and freshmanistan and any mimetic mimetic, right? So, uh, a mimetic in the freshman, freshmanistan would be, uh, they, they list a hipster, right? Uh, <laughs> a hipster is definitely, uh, engaged in like they're trying to be anti-mimetic, but we almost know that they are, right? There's an act, right? Right. They also point out mimetic and freshman Santa is Michael Scott, 
he runs around and they say that he runs around on a tiny treadmill. He's constantly looking for the next cool thing, you know, following whatever the next trend is. Um, and he completely, I mean, obviously the character is not in your world, but the idea of a low class manager in your world is pretty normal. Um, then they have a celebrant standing mimetic. The most, the one they point out is we had the most mimetic per president ever. And that was Donald Trump. Because yeah, he literally tweets at his rivals. <laughs> he's literally on that mimetic treadmill. He's constantly wanting what everyone else wants. He thinks all, just keep, keep in mind how he negotiates everything zero sum. We've talked about how relationships matter and marketing and stuff. Uh, he is literally bringing conflict and, and completely happy with it on a one-off deal. So it's wins, losses. Not It definitely doesn't believe that we uh, that we can have bigger, better things. And Celebrate Stan, any medic, but one of the ones that we mentioned earlier was Elon Musk. Uh, he, they also put Gandhi up there. Um, that makes sense, right? Uh, he's kind of... Uh, Spock is in there. Uh, Batman's in there. And, and and there's a whole lot of... I, th- I think you can probably think of the people that are in, the, uh, that are in there pretty well yourself. And then Animatic Freshman Stand, one of my favorites they point out is the Amish. Um, <laughs> and that is because they're definitely in this world, but not of this our world, <laughs> doing their own thing. They're living their own world uh, as far as like completely opposite of desire. Uh, they're not even on, they're not on, they don't even have electricity for the most part. Uh, certainly don't have the internet. Um, and the other one they put out that's pretty funny is a uh, weekend at Bernie's. Uh, because they're like the only way to is that the only way to be anti fully anti-mimetic at a party because you're just you're just you're dead, right? Um, <laughs> and another one they have in here which I particularly like because I actually liked the, the movie back in the day, uh, Pippi Longstocking, uh, because she doesn't want to grow up and life and she lifts horses one handed, so she's sort of a superhuman, uh, but she's also sort of you, but the way she's if you guys remember her pertains, she is pretty dirty and gross and lives in like a house. So she seems like the kind of, she has these superpowers, but she's not doing uh, strictly super, super things, I guess. So that, that's the idea of why she could be in fresh man but also anti-medic because she's definitely living her own, her, by her own little world. Um, but throughout the book, they drop in a bunch of tactics. I'll name a few of these uh, for basically reducing the medic desire treadmill effect for you in your life um, and making sure that you have control over the stuff so it doesn't run run rabbit on your life because this isn't just about being able to identify in other people or using other people it's about being able to identify in you and reduce it so first of all uh, they, the first one they tactic they recommend is something I actually do recommend you all do um, either write it out or actually think about it is name your models basically meet, you know, who are the people who gave you help you to steal your desires this is going to be easier with the celebrities as we talked about and harder for the people that are closer to you but i would definitely look at your parents they are probably models to you in some respect most therapists uh, would be. say they're models to you whether you want them to be or not 100 percent, i would agree uh siblings would also probably be up there and close friends so i'd look at all of them um and this is sort of the I think it's sort of related to the, you know, either the average of the five people you hang out with most kind of thing. Like that's pretty much the idea, right? If you, if you don't know who's, who's impacting your desires, you probably also don't know what they're impacting, what desires are impacting on you. But if you do, you can probably see whether it's negative or, or positive. And if they're positive, you keep them around. If they're negative, you're going to separate from them a lot. A lot of therapy actually is actually what it's about is figuring out who taught you to model what behaviors and, what behaviors are you now modeling? And then is that serving you or is it not serving you? 
Correct. Yes. And I think this is just this with it's that with desires instead of behavior. Um, but I definitely think that's a generally good rule anyway. So I would definitely recommend that. Uh, another tactic they suggest was ranking values. So um, a good, good we actually came up on LinkedIn recently. Someone who's an MA, he wanted to be a good lawyer, a good in MA, but they take the Sabbath off. And early on, someone told them, well, if you don't, if you want to take the Sabbath off, don't be an MA. You won't be able to cut it because you can't take that time off. Uh, but that person had clearly, clearly ranked their values. Being a good MO lawyer was up there, but above that was being um, being faithful to the religion. And taking the Sabbath off the Judaism, right? Um, Is that so Saturday they, or Sunday? Uh, it's Saturday. It's Friday into Saturday. It's like when the sun goes down on Friday. Yeah, yeah. you stop until the Sunday. sun. To, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, Seventh Day Adventist. Another too, person I, I know did the same thing. Um, it's tax. So someone said, "Oh, you know," they said, "You shouldn't be an M and A owner. You should be a tax lawyer." And I pointed out that tax may not have helped them either because I happen to know a tax lawyer who had the same problem and had to cut a cut a client who is demanding they work on Sunday when they are a Roman Catholic and take Sunday off for the same reasons. Um, That's so wild to me. And they were, and they woke <laughs> up and she, and he texted, he like emailed right back early mor morning, early Monday morning and yelled. And then the guy yelled at him and he's like, you're, you're, I'm done with you. I'm wrapping up. Like I can't. And so, but that point here is to rank your values, you know, whatever is more important to you because they will come into conflict with each other sometimes. Uh, and you need to know if you don't know which one's more important, You'll go probably just go with whatever is easiest. Uh, so, or, or whoever yeah. is already more pressure. Or whoever, yeah. Who, who's ever more charismatic and asks you to do something? Yeah. So, definitely ranking your values is probably quite useful. Uh, another tactic they recommend in, in the context of like, well, I mean, democracy, we've talked about that, but uh, for other places, like if you're involved in a board or uh, of a company or you're trying to do something mm -hmm. at work, is independent voting. Because the whole idea here is we're, going to impact each other whether we know it or not so if we can know how they're voting and it can't be done in secret we will be impacted by the fact that we know what they're doing so you need to make sure that people can't see and can't be impacted by other people who are voting and same thing with um, real famous experiment with that right what yeah. is it that line experiment where they had i don't know they had like four people and they had one they were all uh in on it and they had one person who they were experimenting against and said pick the shortest line like 75 percent of people uh would pick just whatever everyone else picked and it would not be the shortest line <laughs> which is so it's like so wild to me you have four people pointing at the longest line and then they're like okay that's it 75 percent of people would point out the longest line instead of the shortest line that's oh, like how God. powerful like other people just saying something is yep and um and certainly we talk about um, we talked about the, you know how it happens in the scapegoating context but we never really so this is the whole idea of like stoning someone right being the first one to stone is hardest but being the second guy to pick mm -hmm. up that stone isn't that hard it's sorry less hard and by the time you're the you know 50th it's damn easy to throw that that rock and then the other one is to find anti-mimetic models people are doing things that are not you're the norm and you value um to who just seem to be walking their own path a lot more and make sure you are if they're if they're in freshman stand you might want to keep them close and if they are celebrate stand you might want to have things around you that remind you of them um whoever they are for you but the point being that you're that this thing is a pretty powerful force that probably most of you have some understanding of i think um uh, certainly i wouldn't come in completely empty the book um yeah, I think it's more than intuitive. Like 
certainly depending on what you've looked into, like we talked about a lot of, I mean, as we talk about, so I don't really explain what social proof is, but for the pickup, non-pickup people, social proof is the idea that if you're out with beautiful women, other beautiful women will want you. What are you doing? You're just activating mimetic desire, right? Uh, and this goes, another person I kept saying I was going to come back to, Pete Davidson, right? People ask why Pete Davidson is so attractive. And I think the real answer is the first one he earned. Because he dates hot chicks. Ariana Grande was the first one he really, I think really worked for. That was a real pop star. And he worked probably worked pretty hard to get her and get her get engaged with her. But then he just kept dating. So he had dated attractive women, which made other attractive, famous women into him. And then the more he dates attractive women, the more he just keeps doing it. So right. it, it and, and they call it big dick energy, right? That's what they call it. The joke was BDE. He had big, big, big dick energy. But the real answer is what they had is he had some magnetic desire. He activated it probably somewhat unintentionally. And now he's just riding that mimetic wave because every time he ends up breaking up with a girl, he ends up finding another hot, famous girl to date, uh, sometimes yeah. even further up the ladder. But it's because I'm sure all these women, including average women, are like, I find him hot. You find him hot probably because in part because other women find him hot <laughs> and yeah then or they're curious they're like mm, i gotta date that like what what do they see well, what, is he, what does he got too. what does he got yeah, right exactly and he, but we also see it with um people who date who try to date married people right same yep. thing uh, you desire whether people desire and sometimes you desire precisely because other people desire yeah like that's like does that mean yeah like <laughs> you're like once you become married all the women want you which yeah and it's wild to me because you got to be careful. Then, Protect your kidneys, guys. Protect your and we kidneys. We talk about modeling inside of pickup a lot, too, about acting as if you have a lot of women. Like, there's certain things people who have a lot of women mindset. do. Yeah. And, and if you have the abundance mindset, and we, we also know the characteristics that men who have a lot of women do. So they suggest activating those. And we're just modeling a man who has a lot of. Yeah, a lot of options. Right. And eventually, you end up having a lot of options as a result. Fake right? it to fake it till you make fake it. Basically, it. yeah, it means you won't be needy, right? Kind of, yeah. kind of the same thing applies to negotiating salaries. Yep. Like, don't act like you need the job. Act like you have ten offers, and then you're yep. like, dude, you can't treat me that way. I got ten offers, even if you don't. Yep, it makes you like more desirable. Yep, and. So, I mean, that's why I'm thinking this is probably somewhat intuitive and also somewhat learned from others, but we probably hadn't had a whole, I think the thing it gives you is a framework for the whole thing of how it all works. And I really do recommend reading the book, guys. Um, uh, but the other thing is it also gives you some understanding of how the conflict, how this creates conflict and then how it, we relieved it uh, previously, scapegoat being one of them. The other thing they pointed out was, and this comes into Bitcoin if we're not talking about it. Uh, he mentioned Bitcoin a few times, actually. He mentioned he mentioned uh, Satoshi Nakamoto as being anti-memetic, right? This guy, <laughs> literally don't know who it is. Um, you right. couldn't be, there's, there's really no way to imitate him successfully because we literally don't know who it is. Um, um, and, and you'd have to do all these things and then not get credit for it and then not take advantage. Which I'd almost so, argue the biggest reason people think Craig Wright isn't satoshi nakamoto because he wants to be known as satoshi nakamoto so it's almost like because satoshi nakamoto went through all these lengths to not be known anyone who says they are satoshi nakamoto you can almost say that can't be him because the one thing we know about him is he didn't want to be known yeah yeah um so so anti-mimetic that way and then uh but the other parts of the um thing he pointed out was one of the other ways we have scope mechanisms reducing conflict the other way we resolve conflict a lot of times is um 
is the market, right? So we have a free market. And so we can compete on a free market context instead of a war context, right? We keep the conflict limited to the to battles of, uh, of companies instead of instead of war. And we've talked about how we think, at least I think that the free market is sort of dying because we've destroyed our money. So you fix the money, you fix the free market, presumably, and things will again go back to a form of a competition that's a lot healthier and better. Because the other thing is like, it's not that we aren't in competition, it's that we're not in violent competition. But not only that, that competition is a net gain to society when you have your free and open market, right? Because all- Right, the- well, if I can't take your resources by starting a company, right, that gets your gets people to pay me money, I can buy your stuff. Well, then I'm gonna have to just take your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but not just that, taking stuff is a net neutral to society destroying it's a net negative right uh presumably a profitable company is building goods or services that we find useful so like that's good net good for society right so uh, so that was one of the things but the other point he pointed out was maybe there's a third option and he, one of the things he mentioned is the money and i was like oh he's definitely talking about bitcoin here uh, but doing so in a disguised uh manner uh and, and i actually agree with this and a lot of that reason is and weirdly enough, uh, someone who's doing a good thesis on this is Jason Lowry. We've talked about him a few times, I think, but he's the one who's doing the, he works for the, he's going to school at MIT and works for the United States um, uh, Space space Force. Uh, and he is getting paid to do a thesis on Bitcoin and how it might be useful for this. And his basically his argument is it takes the competition of war and puts it into cyberspace and allows us to do complex computations through mining as a, as a competition instead of war for resources. Um, so again, we're still saying, oh, and this is weirdly enough, it is very mimetic in Bitcoin. Bitcoin why do people value Bitcoin? Because other people value Bitcoin, right? right. <laughs> why do I desire Bitcoin? Because other people desire Bitcoin. I know they desire it and they value it. Like that's the whole thing with money. Money exists because we all agree it's valuable and it's desirable. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely mimetic in some ways. Um, right. And people and think they're, they have enough, some kind of clever comeback when they say, oh, you just want it because other people like, no, that's how. And weirdly enough, scapegoat mechanism comes up a lot with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Yeah. Like as soon as this, as soon as the US dollar collapses or starts collapsing, trust me, they will blame Bitcoin. And it wasn't Bitcoin at all. I don't think Bitcoin may have sped the process up, perhaps. I think you can maybe argue that, yeah. but I don't think it was the real problem. The real problem was all the debt <laughs> and the fact that we didn't have a sound money right like and the decisions they made you know, but bitcoin isn't the real cause of those problems and maybe just the only answer to get us safely through it i don't see how but, bitcoin uh, could be causing it at all there's um no i would say thing. there's a possibility it speeds it up in the sense that now more people leave the dollar precisely because they have this other great option right so the the process sort of could be but but the thing is if and if they didn't i think they would have had to find something else i think it just so happens that bitcoin is superior to any other option we've ever had before so so i, I do think there's a possibility that it's speeding it up but but regardless i don't think it's actually the reason that the no, dollars have problems not. but i 100 guarantee that they will suggest it and people have suggested it already that like well, it's the US dollars having the same problems that plenty of other currencies throughout history which is why this guy probably recognizes it if he studied history if you read history you read why civilizations failed it yeah. just, the money comes up over and over and over like it lit like it always is the problem it's always well it's not always the like what obviously like war does a lot of it but oftentimes what leads to the war and leads to a downfall in a society is the money stops being as valuable which really uh depresses the society's growth it really uh turns the loyalty 
from the populace, uh, turns them away from their leaders. Uh, they can't get as many goods. And then it starts this whole downward spiral that usually starts because of the money. And then the society ultimately fails. And it's happened in China. This happened in Rome. This has happened in, uh, it's happened over and over again. Uh, there's two ways society collapses is the money makes them weak. And then an outside invading force comes and destroys them or just an outside invading force comes and destroys them. But we're kind of past that point unless aliens show up, <laughs> but that's about it. It's yeah. If you just, it's, it's wild. So it's like what we're experiencing isn't anything new with our money, but Bitcoin is new because you've never been able to design something that someone wasn't in charge of, which is yep. the key. Yep. And uh, so my big question is, do you have any other questions about it? Do What do you think? Can you think of any other examples? Being I any questions? To... No, it, it seems seems pretty legit. Um, I do like it. It's very uh, similar to my worldview, actually. I do this. This might be my only skill is <laughs> mimetic uh, modeling because from an early age, I realized like, oh, like I don't know anything. I need to just do what other people do and learn what they know. And then you can do what they do. It's yeah. like, it just, it works really well. Uh, try on different people. I don't know. Maybe probably everyone does this. I mean, humans are, it's what we, it's because we're so social. It's mm -hmm. how, it's probably where this evolutionarily came from is you have to, you know, work within your tribe. Mm -hmm. to get things done to not have conflict right because if you're only 150 people it's really important which is probably maybe why it's breaking down a little bit now but try people different people on that's how i've always thought about it. it's like oh, let's try this person on let's try this person on like and then eventually you kind of find one that fits with you know whatever else stuff you've got going on uh the conflict uh the way it addresses conflict is really interesting because i agree that we don't have much conflict resolution anymore um, because we can all just get on the internet and yell at each other anytime we want over the littlest, absolutely nothing burgers. And uh, because we don't have an outlet for that conflict and because you have bad actors like Russia mainly um, stoking that conflict and creating it even more. And then you have bad actors who take advantage of that conflict. Like we talked about in the beginning, you have bad actors like Trump, you have bad actors, Mitch McConnell, maybe even, people like Nancy Pelosi, but powerful people riding that wave of conflict to their own personal uh, desires and their own personal outcomes, which are probably zero sum. They're definitely not, you know, abundance. It's, it's a big issue. And social media has given a lot of the power to people who understand stuff like this and have the ability to write it. And unfortunately, a lot of 90, nine percent of those people right now, uh, they're not competent and they're not uh, benevolent. And, and it's a big issue because they can take this mimetic desire and they can take these ideas of scapegoats and point them in different directions. Look at what Elon Musk has been able to do with no marketing budget. Mm -hmm. He's a master marketer. Everyone thinks he's just some crazy dude. No, he's a bar. He should like, I don't know how he got so good at marketing, but drives it towards his business, right? Drives it towards Dogecoin, drives it away from Dogecoin, drives it towards Bitcoin, drives it away like this. Like you can just watch him do this. And this is what the master's, of such and an idea can do he and he had really good ability they talk about it in the book had a really good ability he has a good ability to, obviously he's modeling desire right but he also mm -hmm. could build things like steve jobs that people desire but before never did like specifically electric right. vehicles right not really a thing until tesla i mean they existed but no one wanted them because they were garbage and he decided to make a super cool because they weren't right? cool because literally yeah. they weren't cool and he made them cool a lot of people 
will talk like, oh, he didn't invent anything. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like he understood what the EV market actually needed was that an electric car needed to be cool. It needed, it to, needed be to be fashion. sexy. It needed to be chic. It needed to be sexy. And yeah. that's what would make people, no one cares about, I like what this says is, you know, no one, there's no needs. There's only like two, like safety and food and water, right? Really your only needs. Everything else is wants. And then marketing, mm-hmm. one of my favorite um, things to say, tell people is people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. No one needs to order Uber Eats. No one needs to order Domino's pizza. And yet they do billions in revenue, right? Like no one needs these things that they want these things. And if you can give something people want, which we kind of talked about before with the marketing, you can do a lot of things. And a lot, it's, you see this a lot in the energy market. You see this a lot in nonprofits where they think, oh, just because we have something that's good, right? We're a charity. You should just give us money that they don't put any of the layering on they don't put any maybe the mimetic layering on it to make you desire wanting to give to that charity they don't make you desire wanting to have a cool electric vehicle solar panels aren't cool yet right like nuclear energy isn't cool like what's cool is having like a badass truck like a big truck but now f-150 is coming out with an electric truck that's cool and so that's going to actually twist things and there's like what i said at the beginning is a lot of people want the world to make sense through logic and efficiency when people aren't logic and they're not efficient logical or efficient people want to do people things they're emotional they have desires they want to look cool they want to model people who they think are cool and they want other people to think they're cool and if you can do that you can be very successful in whatever you do and cool can mean different things to different people obviously not everyone thinks tesla's cool but obviously enough people think it's cool that they're doing they can't even fulfill all their orders right yeah and toyota and gm can fulfill way more orders and people like Tesla way more, even though the math doesn't work out because the math doesn't actually matter when you have human psychology on your side. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's, this is a big deal. And the lack of scapegoats, that's going to be, I, I, I do sometimes wonder if this is like, if you ever look into like, where's all the aliens and the idea of like the great filter and like, maybe there's just a point in society that societies cannot get past. So no society can ever become like spacefaring. Uh, and we don't know what that great filter is. Like there's some point in the societies, they all destroy themselves. And I sometimes wonder if social media uh, and a lack of scapegoat is that great filter, because how do you survive a globalized world where we can all talk to each other and all be in conflict 24 seven. And there literally is no resolution. There's not a single thing anyone can do that will make everyone happy ever again. What do you do besides, I guess, turn off the social media. Yep. Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention uh, regarding conflict was also, and the Bible, the other thing he noticed was the Ten Commandments, almost all of them were commandments of things not to do, actions, and then there was don't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's whore, ass, right, your donkey, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And his point was, in the, in the book, they pointed out, like, these these ones are a list of mimetic desires that would bring people into conflict. It wasn't, yep. you can't covet the type of relationship you neighbor has with his wife is you can't ne- covet his exact wife. Right. Yeah. Um, don't take his wife. Of, don't take his wife. And, but don't even desire it. It was really, don't even try to. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even desire it. And don't we used to call this don't shit. Stuff. Eat. <laughs> yes. But also don't, don't desire his stuff. Um, right. Cause these things are the things that bring us into conflict. And yeah. so it was almost they knew that desire was the first step to all the other conflicts that they listed the things you couldn't do. Right. Um, and, and if you could just the stop same. the desire, it never happened. And specifically the desire of the same things, right? It's, right. It, like it's complete, and that's also the difference between positive and negative. So if you 
if your neighbor to take your or to call it your friend if you covet his wife you desire his wife that's a problem if you desire the type of relationship he has with his wife because it's a really positive good one a healthy one that's a different kind of positive desire mm-hmm. and he's modeling something positive for you and that's also should not bring you into conflict right so there's right. different ways you can do it and and certainly i would think about it when you're going through your desires that kind of difference what, what am i really trying to get here and do oh, i need the exact deal. same thing a lot a lot of ancient you could say religious texts a lot of ancient texts you know they wrote a lot in metaphors uh with stories um and i think a lot of that stuff if you look at it through a lens like this makes like a lot of sense you're like oh like why are they telling us to do that because it brings you into conflict and you can't afford to do that right because then that weakens you and then your enemies can come in and kill all of you like yeah and a lot of this stuff was written with that in mind and they had another one uh example from the bible they also mentioned was the stoning that didn't happen when uh uh, he, uh, you know, when Jesus said, he who has not sinned, uh, cast the, the first stone. Yeah. And, and the point was that everyone is guilty of something and we didn't have to stone the person for adultery. Right. So that was like a cutting off of the scapegoat mechanism. Right. This person mm-hmm. was representative of all the things that they did. And if they killed him, they could feel good about themselves again. Right. But the whole point was you, you really haven't done that. And, and then we have metaphorical stoning on Twitter. And then of course, the whole idea is that Jesus died, died for our sins. We don't have to scapegoat anymore. That's the whole idea. We don't have to kill innocent people or things to do this. Anyway, I would think about the mechanism more in your life and how you could use it positively or in a way that won't cause real problems. You know, burning. I think a lot of people, you know, uh, well, if you guys, uh, those of you who have seen Ted Lasso, can remember the first uh, uh, yeah, first seat. First season when they burned everything. Yeah, they burned things that were important to them, but they didn't burn each other <laughs> or a right. person or a thing. So I think you could absolutely engage in some sort of um, uh, sacrifice uh, as a community that is not necessarily negative. So you could, you could, you could definitely activate it in a non-violent, non-negative way. There's, yeah, there's ways little groups can do this. I think the big question is how do you do it as a global community? That's yeah, with nuclear weapons and space lasers. That's Again, what, the the answer is know. Bitcoin, but we've talked about that. Bitcoin is the answer. It's, it's I mean, it, it fixes one problem, but I don't think it fixes all problems. It I think it fixes the number one rate problem, which is I would say it, no longer I, I, fighting I over monetary issues, which I think gives society more of a cushion. I think yeah. like I think of things in like cushion and like area in intolerances that we would talk about in engineering. Like when you devalue the money, the cushion of your society or the tolerance of your society literally like decreases. And so people are more anxious and things can set them off. If your money's good, right? Get your money right, kid. Like then And the other thing is if it's money that everyone can truly access and right. everyone has an equal footing and plays by equal rules at least no one's getting a benefit from the system itself. Uh, and I think right. that inherent fairness and justice will allow things to be a lot better. And you have an odd chance, unless you really don't believe in yourself, you, you think you, you, you'll probably survive in that society. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. there are plenty of reasons, like even when we were on the gold standard, it wasn't like we were giving equal opportunities to African-Americans, right? So right. like... But now, at least right. the monetary system itself is, whereas before you could redline you, but you can't redline someone from Bitcoin. So right. uh, I think that's important too. That just the um, the fact is, it should be a kind of money. And the other thing is, everyone's making money, 
Mm-hmm. Even if I don't like you, I like you, right? right. <laughs> like the, the problem is when I'm not making money or I'm just constantly right. in debt. If I don't like you, yeah. now I really no, don't like you. Yeah. No, dude, if you're rich, if you're, if you're financially secure, which I have been a few times in my life, uh, and then I blow it up because I just like excitement, man. Uh, <laughs> things are, things are good, man. Cause of that mimetic yeah. desire for, uh, for chicks and booze. <laughs> dude, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit of that. I mean, I just, you know, I'm more like, you know, the anti, anti, anti mimetic desire kind of guy. I just do my own thing, bro. I just do my own thing. <laughs> chicks booze you know whatever yeah all those typical not mimetic things <laughs> yeah exactly yeah booze. all the thing that's my thing right like C- coke and hooker it's my thing no one else's <laughs> thing. no one else's thing i didn't didn't mo- i didn't get that dude model for dude, that i'm, desire I'm an individual i like hot chicks i'm an individual okay i like <laughs> hot people i like being rich and i like partying i'm an individual i'm a free thinker yeah, yeah, yours, yours, yours were not mimetic models at all that you took on those desires. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. Yeah, no. Pussy, no, pussy, I, yeah. and drugs and booze. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, hey, hey. I, that was old me. I haven't. If, if you, if you desire those things, guys, you're a free thinker. <laughs> you're a free thinker, dude. All right, you're so, originalist. Yeah. You're original. <laughs> no one's ever wanted those things before, ever. <laughs> <laughs> nobody it's not like wars haven't been fought over hot chicks before <laughs> right. it's even more than that uh women used to be literally used as money <laughs> there's like they were literally money for and i think it's still in some cultures but there's a lot of history that women were literally used as money like if something happened like you had to give let's say you killed a guy you had to give that dude a, a woman and like they would live in like a townhouse, and then like people would just trade access to women back and forth. They're like they were literally like the first money. <laughs> they were like the first money. I don't know if they were the first money, but yeah, they were definitely a property. Rocks and women. women. Yeah, no, they you but they transferred them back and forth like as money, like as you would think of money. And they, you know, it's really wild. It didn't really work as money, obviously, because they're people. Uh, it's probably more also, like debt, actually, right? Dead, it's yeah, a, but it, then it's more like it's more like if you take my 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 daughter, I'm gonna want her right. back. You put me in. Well, right? well, yeah. But what happened is you would try to you would try to gather a lot of women so that if something happened, then you could use one of them as like, you know, you could send one over there to be you know payment or whatever. But then what started to happen was that like certain certain women would have so many like quote unquote husbands, and then like now they're actually running shit. Cause they got 34 husbands and then they decide who they want to spend time. You know what I mean? So then it's like, it flipped and then women start running shit. Cause they're, they're the woman and they always run shit. So that's how it happened. Behind every 35 guys, there's one great woman. <laughs> no, they just, no, not anymore. I mean, maybe. <laughs> they run shit. That's all I know. That's what I've learned. Well, Cleopatra definitely ran shit. We know that. Dude, yeah, did she? I th- I assume so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she had guys running around, committing, killing each other for her. Entire oh, war. That's pretty baller. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the thing. Like, women aren't gonna run around and kill themselves for I me. Mean, that's never gonna happen. They're gonna like. That's never gonna happen. No, they they make us do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's running? Who's really running? Wait, who's running shit around here? 
they get us to do it and then make get us to be happy that we're doing it when really we're just killing each other and trying to not get killed ourselves yeah yeah that's yeah that's the way of the world over here and then they get to make us feel guilty for it and be like you know you won't let us do it too and i'm like you really want yeah okay i don't think you want to fight to the death it's (laughs) stressful it's very stressful (laughs) and that's just if you survive (laughs) yeah that's if you survive yeah if you Which, don't survive, you, you just don't survive. Yeah, you don't survive. That's bad. <laughs> like you, your choices are PTSD or death, basically. Or death. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with those. Pick one. And she, and, yeah, her upsides are either one of you. It's fine. Whatever. You'll bring her <laughs> fish and food. She doesn't really care that much. <laughs> she doesn't even know your name. Well, yeah, well, you both look the same. I'm glad we farmed our uh, war out to uh, young men who are not me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If the draft happened, I'm a little too old, and I would never fight over a girl again. So I'm, I'm done. Yep, my my mag desires are definitely like don't sleep with like I, I like I you know I like sex, but I'm not sleeping with no married women. Thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think men do. I don't know. I don't have the same desire for like a married person as people tell me, you know, like a woman might have a desire for a married man. I like, definitely know some people that are into it. Some dudes like, that are into married women? Yeah, or just don't care. I, I, a, lot, a lot of them, I, I would say, a lot well, of them just, it's not that they necessarily into them because they're married, but they really just different. don't care. And yeah, I'm just like, that's different. And I'm like, you do know this is what's gonna like if you end up murdered, I would not be surprised. <laughs> That's true. You're taking something. Well, yeah, yeah. I would be worried. Like, what if, what if, what if this is? How could you sleep at night? Like, really? Like, I think the world is dangerous enough. I don't need to like purposely go out and do things I know will make enemies if anyone finds out. Like, That's a very good, uh, especially uh, when we've got internet life. porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, got inter- you got internet porn. Like, just. Fucking jerk off, dude. <laughs> Just jerk off and then think about it. Yeah. Jerk off and think about it. Should you really go out with this married chick? Like, she's probably crazy in her of herself. And oh, yeah. She has to be. She yeah. has to be, right? Now, would you like, do it if the guy was cool with it? Hot wife? <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, you're like, I would yeah. do that. Dude. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> He's cool with it? Whatever, then. Cool. I mean, you got to like, no, but like, you got to like hear it from him, though, right? Yeah, you got to know. Yeah. You can't just have her tell you because then you're like, mm, is he though? You, you'd have to hear it from him, which, but then that would still be weird too. I don't know. There's a lot of weird. There's a lot of weird. I mean, I, this year, I was for a little bit. I was dating a girl that was in a relationship. I've o- tried open, it. Open relationship, yeah. I've been in lots of them. I've tried it. It doesn't really work, but it's it fun. didn't really. I mean, it didn't really work for me. So <laughs> we ended up. She ended up. Ending just, it just she ended up ending yeah. it because she didn't think I was being serious enough, basically. <laughs> when she's in another relationship, <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean. Because like, the way I was moderating it was like I, I just wasn't in a relationship, right? And to her, she was in a right. relationship. And my attitude was like, she's like, you need stop. another girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to yeah. take this seriously. Uh, like you need, to, you need to treat me as a girlfriend is what it was, rather than just a girl you're dating casually. Oh, well, that's. Hmm, I don't know if that's gonna happen. That's weird. That's weird. She just wants <laughs> you know, what she wanted was like a, a stable of dudes. I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> no, that's what she wanted. She was like, I want a, I want a bunch of dudes. But I don't know, maybe. 
I don't know, but she, but I do know that she just just wanted me to be effectively wanted me to take it more seriously. Yeah, and not exactly. trade her. And then you're number just, two, and then she's gonna start working on number three. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and then start working on number four. I know how they work. I know how they operate. I mean, maybe that's a lot of that's a lot of. Do you think I mean, there's got to be a limit to how many people you can date anyway? This is a practical uh, I mean, matter. If, it, it depends on what you mean. It depends on how you define date, but uh, well, clearly she wanted yeah. more than what I was doing, so couldn't she couldn't keep just adding people? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I mean, you know. Hey, you always gotta be on the lookout. You gotta have a deep roster in case you know one of your starters breaks <laughs> an ankle. You gotta, Dude, you gotta have a deep bench in case someone sprains an ankle. <laughs> All right, you never know. Yeah. You never know when one's gonna hit it, hit rich with Bitcoin or some other. Like she doesn't, she doesn't know the odds, right? So she's gotta play a lot of odds. It's like it's like angel investing. They could invest in one company with a hundred million dollars, or invest in ten companies with ten million dollars. You know what I mean? You're playing the odds. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I'm inherently monogamous. Like, I just like I want to find the one and just do it, and then then do other things. Like, I already like I, like I. I feel like I, I remember thinking that when I, I couldn't date, hear, yeah. I couldn't handle more than one serious relationship. I'll be honest. But I remember I used to feel like when I used to date a lot. It would, I was like, man, I could like this is, takes a lot of time. I could probably put this time like if I just settled down, I could probably put this time towards like other things. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably true. That's probably true. I mean, do you think like, I could have? I do you think I could, we could build this podcast, and I have like two serious relationships. I'm like, no, I, I could probably handle uh, one, maybe. I mean, well, you have a full time job. You'd have to quit your job, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, like you dating women would become your job. Like, like yeah, what do you do for job, work? Yeah. I don't do work. I just yeah. have to date. I have these a podcast, people. and I date hoes. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> what do you mean work? <laughs> you have three girlfriends. Do you think I have time to work? Do you know how many times I go to Target every week? <laughs> Look at furniture. Like you ever hear about those guys that have like two two families? And like he still yeah. sees both of them. And I'm like, how the fuck did you do this? Dude, and they have a job. They usually almost always have I a know. job too. I mean, like literally, like, how do you do this? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. That seems so stressful. That seems so stressful. Like two I mean, families, like dude. Oh, I'll just and like, all right. So do you have two houses, and then like, do you have to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about the ones on that both have, houses. I'm not talking about like the guy who just has sex, has a kid, and leaves. Yeah, no, no, the, I know what you I'm mean. I'm talking yeah. about like the ones who have two houses. He like travels for families work. and yeah. travels in between, and still yeah. somehow has a job that supports both of them. Right. Yeah. And or at least half of their income on both sides. Right. Still, and manages to hide it. I'm like, and then manages to do it, and may have time. I just don't understand how you have the time, dude. Or, or First of all, it's like psychopathic. How... But not only is it psychopathic, I just don't understand yeah. it. Logistically, I just don't understand yeah. it. I'm Expensive, like... time-consuming, I don't get it either. It blows my mind. You, yeah, <laughs> you can't. They can't be happy, right? Oh, of course not. I mean, I'm, I think they are happy in the way that a psychopath is happy about deceiving people. Right. Like, right. I'm getting one over on everybody. Um, right. I think I think that's where the joy comes from, right? The, like like it's. It's, I mean, it's psychopathic behavior, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I wonder where that mimetic desire came from. I don't know. Like, that's a weird one. Well, it's being a guy who wants to be desired by multiple people, but seeing the way that they think society Bro, wants to portray, but then get away with it and then live in their own Seattle. Date hipster chicks. They'll let you do it. 
yeah, there's a lot, but that's not the fun part for these guys. Like, I don't think that's I the guess. fun part. I think I think they're yeah. getting it over. Like, oh, I'm exactly you what they, you think I am, but that I really they, play by my um, own rules. I think that's the fun part. I think you that's think the like, fun for them is the actual deception part. Like, can yeah. I juggle all this and get away with it? A hundred percent. I think mm. that's what it is, and, and and I think that combined with the fact they know what society wants them to be, and they will love the fact that they society believes you are that like all their friends right. on both sides think it's them like think he's just a one woman kind of guy mm-hmm. in the meantime he's two women two family kind of guy um and, right. and so it's like i get to play by <laughs> my own rules i get i like 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 i get to play by my own rules but you all don't know it and you right. all think i'm just a really great guy right uh-huh. makes them feel powerful probably powerful yeah yeah. I mean, in a degree, it is. I mean, sure. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I mean, you're pretty good at it. I got to be honest. Yeah. You can actually pull that off for a good while. I mean, I'm, I am I, I still think you're a psychopath, but I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed with your time management, your grit and determination. <laughs> but you're a psychopath. But you're a psycho, dude. Yeah. But like, oh my God. The part of me is just That's like, right. damn, I don't know how you did it. So, yeah. Anyway, I think we're we're at one and a, we're over an hour, so I think we're 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 nearly on. Anyway, guys, check out the book for sure. It's called "Wanting: The Power of Medic Desire and How to How to Want What You Need" by Luke Burgess. I'll drop a link in the show notes for it. But I, I do so, recommend, yeah. and I recommend you, Luke, you check it out too. I think you probably like it. You'll, you'll know. You yeah. can probably skim parts of it because uh, parts of it I think you've probably gone over in other books and stuff. So, but right, I think the list. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our most holy of holiday, the Insurrection Day. We will see you next time. (laughs) See you next time.